0: When the bishop at Bennett Chapel Baptist Church in Possum Trot, Texas, W.C. Martin and his wife Donna decided they were going to adopt some children from the foster care system, they had no idea what was about to happen in their little town.
1: We don't have any PhD folks at our church that can map out this and show you how to do that. We don't have that. But what we do have was just pure love that we can give a child. We just do the work. Like you just said, being a doer of the word. This ain't about having a meeting to see if we want to do it and see how to do it. We just did the work and gave God the glory for doing it.
0: This is a special edition of Family Life Today, taped in front of a live studio audience. You'll hear our conversation today with W.C. Martin, and you'll hear how revival almost broke out in the middle of the interview. Stay tuned. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. And once again, we have got a wonderful live studio audience with us. We are here at the Christian Alliance for Orphans Summit 9. Yes! And as I was thinking about what we're going to talk about today, I was thinking about one of your favorite quotes from Billy Graham. You know the quote I'm talking about? I do. He said, Courage is contagious. When one man takes a stand, the
2: spines of others are stiffened. And we're going to hear a story today about uh, a man and his wife who took a courageous stand on behalf of the orphan and took God at his word. And I was reminded of this. A lot of Christians live their entire Christian faith out and never step out and ever take this verse uh, in, in the promise of what it means. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Hmm. I think one of the great challenges for us in this day is looking around at a culture that has a a target-rich environment for us to be salt and light in this world But especially as we address the needs of orphans, taking on the issue of foster care and adoption, we need to be men and women, young men and women, boys and girls of faith who take God at His Word and expect great things from Him.
0: We're going to meet somebody today who uh, caused the spines of others to stiffen by the courageous step he took, and it's a story that has been told on Oprah and the Today Show and just about everywhere, not just here in the United States, but internationally. And so we want you to join us and welcome to the stage Bishop W.C. Martin. Would you welcome him?
2: Welcome to Family Life Today, Bishop. Uh, You and uh, your wife, Donna, have been married for uh, 35 years. Mm -hmm. You have six children, Mm -hmm. four of whom are adopted, and Apart from that being the claim to your fame, I know that's number one there, yeah. uh, and your love for Christ. You are the bishop of uh, Bennett Chapel in Possum Trot, Texas. On the other
1: side of Coonville. Known as what? South Coonville? And On the other side of Coonville. <laughs> this goes back to 1996. Take
2: us back to how, how this all started in Possum Trot.
1: Well, um my wife's mother passed, and she, uh, she had one of those uh, community-type mothers. Everybody would come to the house and eat and play and everything. And she had uh, it was 18 brothers and sisters of them. Eighteen? Yeah, 18. And okay. in, in Possum Tribe, we have small families. <laughs> <laughs> she, she has 18 brothers and sisters. I have eight, nine brothers and one sister. So we just had a small family, but anyway, <laughs> uh, on the passing of her mother, you know, she said one morning, she said, "Lord, if you can't take this burden from the loss of her mother, just let me die." Mm. And 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 um, the Lord just spoke and said, "Give back." She had no idea what the Lord was talking about. So then she, uh, we got together, we talking. I said, "Well, you know, let's call in some universal help." You know, when you got a problem, you can call in some universal help. Yes. And we, God told us to adopt, foster, and adopt. And the whole thing started right there. We, uh, she called the state, and they told her when the next class was. And we started. Um, we went to class. We had to take twelve uh, weeks of pride classes in Texas.
2: Let me just stop you for a second, though. This starts a lot of times adoption uh, with our wives speaking into our hearts. Yeah. A lot of us as men kind of get drug into this. You had some fears.
1: You had some concerns. I sure did because she had kind of told me some other things and didn't follow through with it, you know. And I said, here goes another one of them. (laughs)
2: Can this marriage be saved? (laughs) I understand.
1: Yeah, I said, here goes another one of them harebrained ideas you coming come (laughs) with.
0: I just want to remind you, this is live radio, and Donna will be listening. (laughs) Yeah, but I just want to find out from the audience, how many of you had husbands who said, here goes another one of her harebrained ideas? Raise your hand. (laughs) There are a lot of hands up here, yes.
1: Well, good thing I'm not the only little boy on the block.
0: (laughs) So, so what eventually won
2: you over?
1: Well, after I, I felt the calling of God, I, I felt within myself that this is what God wanted us to do, not even knowing what the outcome was going to be, not even knowing anything about this, because I always thought that people—I didn't even know there was such a thing as adoption. And because I thought people would always take care of their children. That's all I ever knew. I didn't, ever, didn't think of anything else, you know. Because in, in places like Parsons, you know, there was always a, a Grandmama Emma or Aunt Pucanelle or somebody when Mama died that came in. You know, that's what I always thought, you know. I never knew know anything different. So that started. There. So what happened was when we adopted our first uh, uh, little boy and little girl named Mercedes who had been in nine homes for one year. And they didn't want us to have those children because they figured that we were new in the business and new in the game. We could not deal with Mercedes and Tyler because they had such a bad record. But then again, we showed them that we had somebody on our side that they didn't know anything about. (laughs) (laughs) Don't start me preaching up
2: here because I don't want to do that. (laughs) We know it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Mercedes was five and, and her, her, her brother three. was three. three. Mm-hmm.
1: Where, where had they been? Why, why were they in the foster care system? Because their mother had gotten killed in Dallas, Texas mm-hmm. in a bad drug deal. And as a result of it, Mercedes had to end up being the, the mother and the father for Tyler, oh And she ended up just... You know, developing this thing about stealing and lying. You know, she could con the con artist herself, mm. you know, until, yeah, until she met me.
2: That was, <laughs> it, it was, it was yeah, and, and this is what I want our audience to know not that he can take over a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but I want the audience to know that all these drug busts we see on TV, yeah, the crime. There are kids involved. They sure Mm are. And they're they're going someplace. Mm -hmm. I know a family that since they've been here at this event in the past 48 hours got a phone call at 1.15 a.m. to take care of five kids who had just been delivered to the sheriff's office or the police station and were sleeping on the floor Mm -hmm. because they had nowhere to go. All the result of crime. And so we kind of make it out there, but when you go near the foster care system, you're going to find it's up close and personal. Mm -hmm. And I just want
0: to know, when you brought Mercedes and her little brother into your house, was it hard
1: for a while? I think it was more hard on them because Mercedes was used to just going from place to place. Nine homes in one year is a lot of places. Oh, yeah. And she didn't, she didn't trust nobody. That was the big problem Mercedes had. She trusted nobody because she didn't know what trust was all about. Mm-hmm. She didn't know how to trust. She mm-hmm. didn't know the first thing about trust. So what we had to do was to win Mercedes and Tyler over. I figured that if we got Mercedes, Tyler was going to do whatever Mercedes said. And that was the, that was the situation. It was a it was a bad bad situation because she had experienced so much at a young age.
0: So how long did it take, and what did you do to win Mercedes over?
1: Show them a lot of love. Mm. Just just love them out of what they was in to show them that that was never God's will for them to have a life like that, mm. and that we are here. And I told I said Mercedes, look, this is the last train to Georgia you are not going nowhere, <sighs> you might as well say I'm, this, this is it, and that was it.
2: You decided to adopt that quickly?
1: The way the state set it up is that we had to foster for six months with the intention of adoption after six months was up. And every family that have adopted, that's what they had to do in that situation.
0: And when you did this, word spread around possum trot what the bishop and his wife were doing, didn't it?
1: Yeah, it spread it. And at the same token, as being the person over a congregation of people now began to understand what adoption was really all about and not knowing in the beginning. I looked up every scripture that I could find in the Bible and I learned that adoption was a, was a God thing in the beginning. You know, if you look back, that was Moses was adopted, Elsa was adopted, and a lot of people differ with me on this, but Jesus was an adopted child. I don't know how in the world you can look at it, but he was an adopted child.
2: Yeah, and j- just to illustrate here, one of my favorite questions to ask an audience is how many of you in this, this audience of uh, almost 2,500 people are adopted? Hold your hands up. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, those of you who didn't hold your hands up, would you read Ephesians chapter 1? <laughs> Whom he predestined to become his sons and daughters mm-hmm. through adoption. That's yeah. right. The reason I think God calls us as believers to go near the orphan and to care for orphans is it's, it's God's heart. And it better be because we were lost, and now we've been found. Now you got him preaching. Yeah. See so, <laughs> you know how this works?
1: Back <laughs> yeah. and forth. So what happened in your church? Well, after I got up and, and explained to the church what was going on, we started having families after families come and said, I would like to do this, but I don't want to—we had to drive 120 miles round trip to take what they call pride classes that was a 12 week course then they I I had enough families I went to the state and asked them would they be willing to come to our church and teach the classes well the lady said if you could go and find me eight families which they knew that was something that was just impossible to do so they thought but you know God had another plan for it (laughs) so what happened was when I went and, and, and got the families and I carried the list back a lady before her when she unfolded that paper I had 23 families on that list.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? She came? She did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, 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 and I don't know how many of you all in here are caseworkers and ever did this before but the workload that a case worker have to do is enormous. You know, doing the home studies and, 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 and doing the background history check that's a lot of work, you know, for anyone to do. And they say that she got 23 families now that she got to do all that work for.
2: Okay. Just for a moment, pause us, have a little parenthesis. Where in the world is Possum
1: Trot? <laughs> On the other side of Coonville. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the question. <laughs> <laughs> How big is Possum Trot?
1: Uh, About that big. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't have post office. We don't have street lights. In fact, my church is in the woods where if you come there, if you look north side, east and west, you won't see nothing but woods. And the thing of it is is that we, if you come to Center, Texas, which is about an hour and twenty minutes from Shreveport, Louisiana. When you get into Texas, you get into East Texas. When you get to Center, you go to Chevy Then when you get to Chevy you go to Coonville. When you get to Coonville, you come to Post Trop. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs>
1: at the time at the time
2: you started this mm-hmm. and 23 families, mm-hmm. how many attended your church?
1: We had probably had about, about eight or five families.
2: So a fourth of your church back then stepped up to care for foster care. They kids.
1: stepped up not having anything because we didn't know, we didn't have a clue as what was all involved. I I did not know that there was children who had their own agenda and own ideas about where they were. I didn't know that they steal, I didn't know that they lie, I didn't know that they do stuff like that, I didn't have a clue about that. But they sent me to school as well as gave me a doctor's degree in child psychology. But at the same token, see what happened, God had already taught us patience. My wife, my oldest son, my, bi- my biological son is 29 years old and he was born with severe brain damage. Hmm. And my wife stayed in labor for 18 and a half hours and the doctor didn't know she couldn't have a child normally. But, so then my brother thought that I was, had lost my mind. And that was major for me. I had to let them know that I'm kind of like something that Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, I know what I got to do.
0: Hmm. Hmm. You were expectant of God.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Now, I I am guessing Possum Trot is not an affluent community.
1: It's not. It's not at all because it's a very poor community. Um, I don't know how many of you all saw today's show back in um, back last year, in December the 14th, they did a, a, a piece on us, about eight minutes on us, and they showed some of the home. One one family that I have right now, she had adopted five little girls, and then she had three, and one was a, her own child. She had three more. Uh, she had four more, and one of them was her child. She adopted five, and then her sister died. She had got three. Then her sister's husband died. Then, I went to the state because I did not want to see those children go back into the system mm. in which they was going to come. So I went there them and asked them, what could we do to keep those children in the community? So this family brought those children in their home. So what she did, she raised 11 children in a trailer house. Wow. You, you just
2: raised an issue that I want uh, our listening audience to be aware of the church needs to realize the state is not the enemy when it comes to foster care. Mm -mm. They really are. Mm -hmm. The state the state really is waiting, I think, for the church to come to them and to to say, we want to cooperate. Mm -hmm. We want to help you Mm -hmm. because the state doesn't know what to do with these children. They don't have homes for them to go into. And they need someone to step up and step forward and say, give us. Mm -hmm. Give us your children.
1: That's right. That's right. And see, that's what we did. Um, we we had a we had a, a rough time in the beginning because it was so much going on in, in the community we was catching so much slack from people the school didn't know what to do about the children. the state had to send people to the school to teach the teachers how to teach the children mm. and that was a strange to me i couldn't put couldn't look that up together but for the most part, you know I, I could say it like this if God is for you, who can be against you right it doesn't matter. It right. does not matter what goes on or what you're, if God called you to this particular ministry, you're gonna catch some slack and you're gonna catch some problem. But ultimately, I can say you shall be victorious over everything that what laid out and said it can't be. With God, it can be. Because the scripture said I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthened me.
0: Now you got him to preach and see right. how this
1: works?
2: Well, there's a reason why the school system felt the stress of what happened at Bennett Chapel. Mm -hmm. Share with the audience how many children have been adopted in the families of your church.
1: We have, at this time, 76 children that have been adopted.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How has that changed Possum Trot?
1: It changed because it brought a lot of exposure to that community because nobody never heard of no possum trot on the other side of Coonville. I mean, what is that? That's the first thing they said. Possum trot? What you talking about possum? What is that? I mean, that's a place where you got a lot of possums at. Or what is it? I mean, that's, <laughs> no, that's not even something that you would think about. But the thing of here. deal it changed, the, it, it brought a lot of exposure, but then again, it changed our hearts to let us, and open our hearts up to let us know that God created us. It's it, not so much of what we're doing for ourselves, but what we're doing for others. Because that was what Jesus done, he went all out his way, right. you know, to show us that he loved us. So what he want us to do is follow that same trend and go all out our way. Adoption is a great thing. It's one of the greatest things that we ever can do because we're only following what God has already started by adopting us back as a part of the plan of salvation was adoption. And that's what we have to do now. And everybody can't do it. Everybody can't do it. But everybody can be a part of what God is doing in that arena of adoption.
0: You, um, I'm just watching. You got some people ready to join your church right here. <laughs> They're ready. Move to Possum Trot. Join your church. They're going to look it up. They're going <laughs> to Google it. They're going to know where it is.
2: Um, you mentioned stuff and you scooted right by it. I, I, wanna, I want you to comment on it. We, we sometimes think that we're doing the orphan a favor by going near and doing the noble thing of being a foster care parent or perhaps adopting. Mm-hmm. But the orphan is certainly the recipient of love but we don't realize how much we need the orphan to save us from toxic self-absorption. Yeah. Haven't you found that in your own life?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Because M- M- Mercedes called my wife the other day and she said, Mama, I don't know where I would be because the way my life was going if it had not been for what you and dad had done for me. I don't know how my life would have turned out. You know, my life was already messed up and you all showed me and, and, I, and one thing I need to tell you about Mercedes, There's one thing. Mercedes was a child that she could steal you blind, tell the same lie a thousand times, never change her facial expression, never change one word of it. She was good at it, but she couldn't even count to 10. And my wife used to spend hours every day putting pennies on the table to teach Mercedes she taught her how to count to 10 then she taught her how to count to 20 and just went on up and end up uh, Mercedes was an honor roll student in her class Hmm. and i look at god and say lord i thank you because this is something that you're doing you know god is showing us that these children have purpose in their life they're just not somebody no we are not doing a favor but i think they're doing us a favor because what they're doing they're teaching us some things about Mm -hmm. love that we don't even know they're teaching us some god kind of love not just we just trying to love somebody but they're teaching us something because those children really taught me what true love and pure love was all about because we was reaching out and bringing them in and showing them a life that we're supposed to be doing all the time. This is something we ought to be doing. This ain't something we need to do all of this. To this is something that every church on this earth need to reach up and wake up and say, look, this is something that we can, if they can do it in Possum try on the other side of Coonville and they don't have no street lights, don't have no street signs, don't have no hotels and all that stuff, we ought to be able to do it in our church. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs>
2: I would imagine right now that every person who's listening to this broadcast goes to church. Okay? Mm-hmm. What is there unclear about the statement you just made? Go to your pastor, mm-hmm. go to your elder board, your deacon board, whatever the structure is, and say, let's do something. Let's be doers of the Word, Mm -hmm. and be
0: those who are about caring for the orphan. But don't just take it to the elders and deacons and say, here, you guys do something. Oh, exactly, Bob. Because they got enough to do. Mm -hmm. You need to go and say, we're here ready to do whatever we can do to help this be a part of the culture. And it's going to
2: cost you. It's going to cost you 12 Mm -hmm. weeks of training or Mm -hmm. whatever it is Mm -hmm. in your state. Mm -hmm. You're going to see a lot of red tape and a lot of system, but it's like… If that's all the cause means to you, you're not willing to endure some things like that, then
1: find something that grabs your heart. We don't have any PhD folks at our church that can map out this and show you how to do that. We don't have that. But what we do have was just pure love that we can give a child. We just do the work. Like you just said, being a doer of the word. This ain't about having a meeting to see if we want to do it and see how they We just did the work and gave God the glory for God.
2: And all the God's people said? Yeah. <laughs> I so, feel like we need to close the broadcast,
0: I, I, Bob. I, I don't know if we'll be able to, <laughs> but I, I do think if, if I come to Possum Trot, I'm coming to Bennett Chapel and, uh, and then over to your house for dinner.
1: Is that all right? That'll be fine. That'll be fine. But I'm going to tell you right now, we don't cook possums. <laughs> Good.
0: <laughs>
1: Good. But you will really have some greens and cornbread, yeah. hot water cornbread, uh, yeah. green okay. peas. And all right. And stuff like that. All you right. know, we we have a good meal and a good hearts. You have a good meal. I promise you that. <laughs> but, but but I, I want to invite you all to come to Possum Trot. But but don't come to Possum Trot expecting the church service to be well. We're gonna da, 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 da. We're not gonna do that. But we are gonna come in there. You are gonna have a Holy Ghost fit. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You got to have a certain swing to it, you know, you, you, but you got to pull it back.
2: <laughs> we're we're going we're to close the broadcast with a question, because I would like to know, out of everything you've done in all your life, what is the most courageous thing you have ever done?
1: I believe the most courageous thing that I've done, first of all, personally, was to accept Christ yeah. as my Savior. That was... Number one. And number two, I think that what I've done was to share me with so many children all across this country. And I'm continuing to do that. As long as God let these legs move and let this voice talk, I'm going to continue to let the world know that the church, the leaders, the pastor, we have a duty to perform before God. And don't let this go down, as God got an indictment against the church for what he told us to do, and we refused to do it. That's a bad thing. Let us, at this point, get involved, make a difference, tell the pastor, look, we got to do this. Because I had a pastor tell me, he said, you expect me to do this? and and I hadn't did it myself, I'm not talking about what you haven't done. That's not the point. The point is, we as pastors is just like a mailman. We didn't write the letter, but we got to deliver the letter. So what I'm saying to you, tell your peoples about adoption. If you can't do it, help them out to do it. Don't worry about what you haven't done. Just do something. And it's taken that man. He got 17,000 members at his church. It's taken that man two years to understand that he's only a male man to deliver the message. Now, the church done got involved in adoption.
2: Well, I want to thank you for being a courageous man. And for being a man who... Uh, believes the God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly beyond all oh, we, we can make, ever ask or think. think. Mm-hmm. To Him be the glory in Would this you, generation
0: and all generations. Would you guys thank Bishop Martin for joining us here this morning?
1: God bless you. Thank you.
0: Well, it's fun to listen back to… Uh, Our interview with Bishop W.C. Martin, this took place back in 2013 at the Christian Alliance for Orphans Summit, a great event that is held annually in May. In fact, uh, May 4th and 5th of 2017, the summit will take place at Brentwood Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee. And there's a good lineup on hand, and Voskamp is going to be at the summit this year, and Andrew Peterson will be there, and of course, we'll be there doing interviews again for Family Life today. If you have a heart for orphan ministry for your church, if you're involved in some kind of orphan ministry, plan to join us at uh, the summit May 4th and 5th, 2017, In Nashville, Tennessee, if you need more information about the summit, go to our website, which is familylifetoday.com, and there's a link there that can get you all the information you need about next year's event. Now, as the Christmas season is officially here, uh, now that Thanksgiving is over— As you head toward uh, the last few weeks of the year, I know some of you are beginning to think about year-end contributions to ministries like Family Life Today. You need to know that all of the programs you hear on Christian radio look to this time of year as a a significant time. What happens in the next few weeks really determines a lot about what our ministries will be like in 2017. So I want to encourage you, first of all, As you think about year-end contributions, make sure that your local church is in first place in your giving. We believe that the local church ought to be your giving priority. And then if there are programs on this station that have had an impact in your life this year, consider giving a year-end gift to one of those programs – And if Family Life Today is one of those programs, we hope you'll consider a year-end contribution to this ministry as well. As I said, your financial support now determines a lot about what we can do in the months ahead. So we hope you'll prayerfully consider how you might support uh, the programs on Christian radio that have ministered to you during the year 2016. And we hope you have a great weekend. Hope you and your family are able to worship together this weekend. And I hope you can join us back on Monday. We're going to talk about how we keep Jesus at the center of our holiday celebration by remembering who he is and what Christmas is really all about. Barbara Rainey will be with us. Hope you can join us as well. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We will see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for
2: tomorrow.